Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello. How how are you? What's uh, what's going on? How uh, how's uh, how's things going? Uh, welcome to it. It is hump day, hump day, middle of the week. Getting ready for that downhill slide to Firearms Friday, where we get a chance to do our weekly therapy session and talk about guns. Yeah, guns. Lots of guns. Uh, good morning and welcome to you. Um, we, uh, boy, you know, I tell you what, <clears throat> the second the legislature goes out of session, you know, I always forget. It's like every year I forget how how things slow down like right now. When uh, when the legislature goes out of session and it's like uh, there's really not not much happening uh, now we're reporting on uh, possums and weasels and things that I it's uh, it's interesting but it's okay because it leads uh, leaves us a little bit of free time to talk about some other things that are important to us and so <clears throat> I think that uh, today we're gonna dive into a couple of the headlines that are going on out there but then then. We're going to uh, do a little bit of pontificating. Pontificate. We're gonna th- we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, the what if factor, uh, and uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna rant. I'm not gonna rant, but I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how I feel about it and why I think it's important and. Why sometimes I don't talk about it uh, because it is. Uh, well, I mean, but anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get into that here in just a little bit, um, and so uh, <clears throat> that's kind of the rundown for today. Uh, don't forget if you miss anything today, or if you could only join us for a little bit and you want to come back and you feel like you're missing anything. You could pick up uh, everything on the podcast after the fact. The podcast is available each and every day uh, simply by going to um, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, um, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and, and just subscribe. And if you subscribe, it'll automatically download it every day as I... Um, as I uh, as I upload it, which is usually within about four or five minutes of the show finishing, <clears throat> I've got this down to I've got this down to a science. The show's over, and within eight minutes, the podcast is loaded. Usually, I mean, sometimes I something happens, or you know, but for the most part, boom, it's ready. It's ready for you. All you got to do is uh, hit the subscribe button on your podcasting app, and uh, boom, it's right there. Make it simple. Make it easy. Uh, you can also join us if you're listening on uh, traditional world, tra- terrestrial, terrestrial radio. 
Um, all you got to do is uh, all you got to do is go over to Facebook or YouTube or Twitch and uh, join us out there to be part of the chat room as well, which is kind of uh, I don't know. It's the show within the show. Because we got a bunch of folks in there come in and comment, and uh, they help drive the conversation in many ways. And uh, I appreciate each and every one of them who comes in every morning to share their thoughts with us on the uh, on the old on the big old radio program. So uh, you could find all those links, by the way, over at my uh, over at my website at michaeldukeshow.com. That's uh, simple, easy. It's fantastic. Just go check. Just go. Just. Go check it out uh, and be ready to uh, be ready to go. All right. Um, what 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 do we got? What do we got going on here? So there's a few headlines that I want to um, that I want to take on, um, and uh, just because they're, I guess it's interesting to say the least. Uh, some of it uh, has a direct effect on Alaska. Some of it doesn't, but uh, I thought it would be an interesting. I thought it would be an interesting, uh, interesting points to bring up. So I guess we'll start off uh, over here at the Alaska Beacon. James Brooks over at the Alaska Beacon has an article up talking about um, Saudi Arabia and the oil production. Now, for those of you who aren't really paying attention <clears throat> to. Uh, to the national news, it, not that I blame you. I definitely do not blame you for not, you know, like keeping strict eyes on the national news because it's uh, this is depressing. It's frustrating. It uh, feels like in a lot of ways we got, you know, we got nothing. We, we can't really affect it or anything else. Uh, but there has been some news recently. And, of course, part of it is that Saudi Arabia, as, uh, as part of the uh, – uh, OPEC nations has made a decision uh, in light of what's been going on with oil prices. They tried to control the world oil market price by uh, throttling uh, or increasing their oil production. Right, that's part of the deal. They want to keep they want to keep the prices high. They don't want it to be glutted on the market, and so they attempt to keep the price as high as they can by either turning on the spigot. Well, usually it's turning off the spigot. And reducing the number of barrels, um, and that gives them a lot more influence and control in the rest of the world as well. Uh, and since uh, America has decided to abandon any pretense of trying to be self-sustainable in its energy sector, which is one of the few things that <clears throat> that I really uh, appreciated about uh, Trump was that uh, he at least uh, was pushing for more of that energy. I didn't always agree with the way he did it, but at least it was a priority for him. Um, and now, of course, the current administration has all but abandoned any kind of energy independence for America, even though I think it has <clears throat> it has a lot of it has deeper ramifications. I mean, it's a national security issue, I think, more than anything else. But I mean, that's a that's pro it's a deeper national issue, which is I no don't normally get into. And uh, I mean, it would be a whole show unto itself trying to talk about um, <clears throat> the ramifications of uh, energy independence here in uh, in the United States. Anyway, uh, Saudi Arabia has decided uh, in its infinite wisdom to cut production of, bar of oil by uh, about, uh, oh, I just lost the number, one million, one million barrels a, a day. 
That's what it was. So they've decided that they're going to go ahead and <clears throat> and uh, cut oil production by a million barrels a day. And they've got their finger on the pulse and they've, they've said now maybe it will be uh, even more at this point. So the U.S. Energy Information Administration raised its estimates for oil prices in the second half of this year and into 2024 as a uh, as a result of that. They now estimate that uh, Brent crude will average uh, $79.54 per barrel for the rest of this year and $83.5 per barrel next year because the diminished supply is going to cause the rise of growth. Now, a barrel of North Slope crude on Monday was just a dollar below Brent uh, because the two are closely related. And so that means that in the future that the average price of Alaskan North Slope oil could be as high as $78 a barrel. Now, Alaska's budget was written on an average, I mean, it was written on a revenue projection uh, with an average of $73 a barrel over 12 months. And so that means that if we have a, you know, $5 per barrel premium uh, for the first, uh, for the end of this year, and then that goes up to almost a $10 premium going into next year, there may be some extra money. Now, this is a... This is a blessing and a curse at the same time because the more fiscal hawks in 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 the listening audience here will go, oh great, well we can you know put some money away, we can put some money into the CBR, we can uh, you know maybe pay down some of the other stuff, we can you know there's all. Ca- Meanwhile, the Bert Stedman's and uh, the. Uh, uh, the the Gary Stevens of the world and uh, and many others who are big government folks will see this as an opportunity to again bolster their spending on whatever pet project uh, they want to get done. Um, the uh, the the uh, if the price exceeds the revenue threshold, uh, the due budget does contain what they call a waterfall provision that automatically uh, deposits some of those excess earnings into the CBR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve, which is good because, I mean, let's face it, we owe, we, the people, the legislature, the state of Alaska, owes the Constitutional Budget Reserve about $10 billion. Um, it It is supposed to maintain a certain level, and over the course of the last, uh, you know, 10 years, we spent uh, about fifteen billion dollars out of it because it. I mean it. It was a rainy day account. I mean during those high cotton years, of uh, especially of the late aughts, uh, when there was a you know a fiscal crisis, but oil prices skyrocketed to one hundred and fifty dollars a barrel. We had some real money, <clears throat> and we were putting it away uh, at a at a rapid pace. So. We've spent about uh, 14, 15 billion dollars out of the Constitutional Budget Reserve. Uh, it was getting real close to empty here recently. Now it's got about two billion dollars in it, but it's still supposed to have a maintained set baseline limit of about 10 billion dollars. So while the OPEC prices are not necessarily good on your wallet, uh, for you know those of us who do a lot of driving, gasoline, those that heat our houses with uh, heating oil, you're going to feel that pinch as well as the price of oil goes up. But the state is going to do okay if the price of oil goes Now, the question is, 
What are they going to do with the money? Um, and based on the breakdown and the leadership and the way the legislature is set up right now, well, I don't have a whole lot of, I don't have a whole lot of faith that they are going to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, it's not like we're going to get a full PFD because of it. It's not like there will be some monies that go into the CBR, but, uh, the, Excess earnings could also be set aside for <clears throat> school funding or a BSA increase. I mean, it could even um, it could be even set aside for the 2024 permanent fund. I mean, it could. I mean, you know, I'm trying to be glass half full kind of guy. It could happen. Um, but as usual, by the way, these oil forecasts are uh, just <clears throat> kind of notoriously erratic. They're all over the place. And uh, we'll see we'll see what happens uh, as we go forward. By the way, the windfall provision, the waterfall provision, is not even a certainty because Governor Dunleavy has yet to sign this year's budget into law, and he has the ability to veto that section of the budget, potentially deleting the section entirely, um, which would leave the excess earnings on the table for future debate by legislators. So he could see it as a way to say, instead of just going straight into the CBR, he could instead uh, veto that provision, and then it would be there, and he could say, I want this to be spent on dividends. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but he could. I'm trying to decide which way I'd like to, ha- which way I'd like that to go. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. So we'll see anyway, but that's uh, that's some big news that <clears throat> probably things you weren't paying attention to or maybe you were and, and hadn't thought about the ramifications yet. But I found it to be a very interesting article from, uh, article from James Brooks over at the Alaska uh, Beacon. That's right. So coming up next, um, if you uh, if you like your stove, you can keep your stove. Oh, that's what I was told at the beginning. What's that all about? Well, Mary Peltola may have something to say about that. Plus, we got What If Wednesday and more coming up and a report on Alaska's The Alaskan Economy, which is now ranking it, um, well, the third worst in the country. Oof. I mean, ow. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, hello. How are you guys doing this morning? Y'all, y'all ready? Y'all, y'all ready? Man, I just, uh, I, I haven't decided yet. <clears throat> I, my eyes were just like, uh, this morning. So I didn't turn on the light and then, wow, now I turned on the light. I can't decide whether or not 
I can, I mean, can you guys live without the light this morning? Just because, damn my eyes. Damn my eyes. Damn my eyes. Uh, damn your eyes. Uh, you know what I mean. All right. Uh, let me go over here. So, big ups. Uh, Frank sent me a What If Wednesday's theme song. I can survive the unofficial prepper song single. Interesting. Um, I would like to garnish politicians' wages for theft from the PFD from individual citizens. I mean, yeah, that would I would love that as well. Um, so who blew the dam in the Ukraine? I don't know. Uh, the Ukrainians and, um, I, I don't know. The system of theft is entrenched. Extra money, says Bill. Ha! It's already spent. I mean, that, that's, um, that's exactly it. Um, I don't really expect my PFD to go up with it. No, I, I agree, David. I mean, I think it's interesting, but uh, I just, I don't, I don't have any expectations that this group of critters down there is going to do anything else. Um, all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Just more money, says Chris over on Twitch. Just more money for the legislature to loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoffman is already talking about forward spending. It's just excess crazy money. Um, Dunleavy abandoned his PFD promises long ago. Um, between Mary and Lisa, not sure who is worse. That's a, that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair thing. Um, uh, good morning. Did you get your sign mounted? No, I didn't yet. It's sitting inside my doorway because I don't want it to get stolen. Uh, but Greg was kind enough to give me, um, I'll have to take a picture of it and put it on Facebook because uh, he was kind enough to give me a picture or a sign to hang outside my door. Warning of dynamic entry. Dynamic entry will be well met with overwhelming force because I don't know who you are. So it's uh, it's good. Um, limited out in Seward in less than an hour, says Harold. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. Sometimes that's anticlimactic when you do it in less than an hour. You get all this prep, you do it in, you spend hours on the road, you get down there, you do it, and it's over in an hour. Although then you can go and do other things, but I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, any guests today? No, today we're going to be talking about some of the headlines and then we're going into a what if segment, Harold. You will probably hate it. So be prepared to hate, Harold, is what I'm saying. Just be prepared because I've been promising and talking about this for a few Wednesdays and then I kept interrupting with guests. And so now today we're going to go over a little bit of that and we're just going to talk about all that. So <sighs> I knew it was quiet yesterday for a reason. Uh, okay. Um uh, we are uh, ready to uh, ready to jump back into it. Please like and share the show, like and follow the show page. Do all the YouTubey things out there. I got the phone lines open, which we're going to talk about here in a second. 
as well. And uh, woo, there you go. That's uh, that's the reminder to myself to stop the yeah, stop the yapping, stop the yapping. Um, <laughs> he doesn't hate; he just likes to stir it up. Well, that's true. Some people just want to watch the world burn, right? That's just that's just the way that goes. All right, let's get to it. Here we go. Common Sense Radio. Well, uh, welcome back. Hello, you. You. How you doing? Welcome to Wednesday. Hump day. Middle of the week. So a couple more stories before I jump into our what-if discussions. First and foremost, if you like your stove, you can keep your stove. Uh, I guess unless you live in... New York or Berkeley, California, or many of the other more progressive enclaves around the United States, where everybody is now trying to outlaw gas stoves. I mean, I thought when I first saw this, or I mean, I got to be honest, when I first saw this little quote come up, and this this has been going on for weeks now, right? I mean, I think this first came out about three or four months ago, and I swear to you, I thought it was an article from The Onion or The Babylon Bee. You know, one of those tongue-in-cheek satirical news sites. I literally thought it was a joke. Oh, we we can't, you know, uh, uh, these stoves, they they trigger asthma and they can have, they can create ADHD in kids and they, I don't know, they make the bees die and, and, and dogs and cats start living together. And I mean, all this other kind of stuff. And I'm just like, what, what? And all of a sudden it became the cause du jour. And it was, it was real. I mean, again, I swear, I thought it was a satirical article, but no, they went in whole hog. We're going to outlaw gas stoves across, you know, wherever. And so they did it in New York State or New York City. Now they've instituted a new piece of legislation that essentially says that any new construction uh, can't have a gas stove installed. It's got to be an electric stove. And of course, all the amateur and professional cooks out there are weeping because any good chef knows that you need to be able to control the heat like right now. And uh, cooking on an electric stove is nowhere near the same as cooking on a gas stove. Besides the fact that gas is cheaper, more efficient, yada, 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 everything else. Then Berkeley, California took over, did the same thing. And like I said, we're seeing these little progressive enclaves going all over the place. And it's not just gas-fueled stoves. It's furnaces and water heaters and all of this, this is all to combat climate change. Now, remember, I have said this many times before that it was like in Fairbanks when they were talking about, well, we need to eliminate the wood stoves and then 
our air quality will be better. But then I was like, but your furnaces are also putting up particulate matter and everything else. So after they get done with the wood stoves, are they going to come for the furnaces as well? But, and here you are. I mean, apparently what we're supposed to do is just live in caves and cook uh, with the power of the sun. We're just supposed to dry all the food outside in the sun. That's, that is the climate, you know, that is the, uh, the, the conscientious, responsible way to protect the climate is just lay all your food out in the sun on rocks and let it dry and then eat it as jerky. That apparently is it. Well, there were a pair of bills that uh, got put together in the House of Representatives, and uh, it failed yesterday. Uh, Mary Peltola voted against it. Now, it wasn't; it didn't fail because of Peltola, but because the Freedom Caucus is still pissed off at Kevin McCarthy over the debt ceiling bill, uh, and they didn't want to give him a win on anything, so they flexed their muscles and they stopped the vote. But the fact that uh, Mary Peltola would basically would this would basically vote against it doesn't make any sense. The bill would have prevented future restrictions and energy conservation standards on these appliances. Again, uh, the imposing it would counteract uh, the increasing number of states and local governments that would impose bans on gas fueled stoves, furnaces. And water heaters. Now, proponents like myself argue that one third of American households rely on gas stoves for cooking, like me. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's the first time I ever had a gas stove when I moved down here, and I love it. I mean, I, I'm not an amateur chef, but I like to cook occasionally, and I got to tell you, man, it's so much nicer to cook on a gas stove. Uh, oh, and by the way, when it got a little chilly uh, after the 20, what was it, the was it the 2018 earthquake? Um, and it got a little chilly around here. Um, and there was another time we had a huge power outage that was out for hours. Uh, my gas still worked. Guess what? Kept the kept the whole lower house, half of the house uh, warm with cracking the oven and firing it up and getting that gas on. Couldn't have done that with electricity. Anyway, um, Democrats and others emphasize the importance of reducing carbon emissions resulting from the combustion, the combustion of fossil fuels, including natural gas. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that, I mean, again, we burn. How do you how do you think those electric stoves get their electricity? Right. I mean, nobody has really logically thought this all the way through. Well, we need to take away the stoves because they hurt the children and the butterflies. And uh, it's making, uh, it's it's climate change. We need to do that. So everybody should just get an electric stove. Well, wait, aren't we already experiencing an energy shortage? And don't we already have the potential for rolling blackouts and everything else? Well, yes, but, uh, well, and, and now you want electric cars on top of that? Well, of course we do. But, that, but and wait, you want to plug all, and then we've all, you've got an already overstressed electric grid. And, that, and where do you think the electricity comes from? Do you think that that doesn't generate some kind of, well, you know, it's, uh, I, I mean, it's just no logical common sense on any of this. But I mean, this again, make, I, I just don't even know why uh, Peltola, well, I mean, she's voting in lockstep with the Dem, uh, lockstep with the Democrats. So I guess that's, you know, I just, uh, this whole thing is just, 
the Gas Stove Protection and Freedom Act. If you ever told me that you thought that there would be a bill in the United States Congress that was entitled the Gas Stove Protection and Freedom Act or the Save Our Stoves Act, we're doomed as a society, man, at this point. Doomed. Doomed. <laughs> well, you can't have gas stove. I mean, you know. I mean, and forget about wood burning. My God, you might as well be burning puppies instead of wood because that's even worse for the environment. But uh, don't worry. That ultra-clean electricity that comes from some plant somewhere that we don't even... This is like the same type of people who are like, don't kill animals. Go to, a, go to the store like a regular person and just get your meat there. Well, where do you think that meat comes from? Well, from the little pink trays in the thing, and you don't have to kill an animal to get your meat. Do you not even... Uh, mm, no, I'm not even going to engage in that. I'm sorry. That's just... But that's... That's the way a lot of people think. A lot of people. Uh, and then uh, one of my listeners sent me this. Yes, thank you, Harold. Uh, report from the Center Square. Uh, it is a new report uh, from the Wallet Hub. Uh, Wallet Hub is a, uh, they do a lot of studies around the country and mostly for uh, consumption by media outlets and things like that. I've We've done a couple shows on several of the Wallet Hub uh, reports over the last few years. Um, and, but according to this report, Alaska has the third worst economy in the United States. We ranked 49th, only outranking Louisiana and here's West Virginia. The three key factors analyzed uh, the state. Uh, for economic activity, uh, we were num- we were the last one. We were z- we were at the bottom of the pack for economic activity. We were 44th in economic health and 41st for innovation potential. I mean, so that's a- at least good. Uh, Alaska is also among the states with the lowest state government surplus per capita, meaning that's the oof. Alaska's not seasonally adjusted employment rate was 3.9%. That's above that's above the national unemployment rate of 3.4%. The report also looked at the share of jobs in high-tech industries. The percentage of do we even have high-tech industries here in the state of Alaska? I mean I'm sure there's a few, but mostly no. The percentage of jobs considered STEM employment uh, independent inventor pat- patents uh, per 1,000 working age population and entrepreneurial uh, activities. Alaska was among the three states with the fewest independent inventor patents as well. States with the best economies, uh, Washington, Utah, Massachusetts, Colorado, and California. So because they've included California in this mix, I do have to question the methodology slightly uh, because um, you know, California and the taxes and the fact that people are exiting that state at a rapid rate. But it's an interesting article and an interesting um, it's an interesting report. Again, you can find it over at uh, Wallet Hub. I'll drop a link in the chat room so you guys can talk about that and see what you have to say about that as well. 
But it's not good. It's not good news overall for the state. And again, just more proof that uh, because the um, because the uh, public and the private economies are disconnected because of the way that the state draws revenue, um, there is really no interest in, again, bolstering or protecting the private economy. As long as the as long as the public economy, the government economy is protected, all's well in Mudville, right? I mean, that's that that is the that is the mantra we're seeing right now from all these different people. Is as long as their piece of the pie, the government pie, is taken care of, we're okay. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, remember. Right before the pandemic, we were still trying to come out of a recession. And the pandemic didn't do us any favors. And here we are right now um, with uh, here. Here we are right now with um, uh, I mean, I don't even know technically if we came out of the recession overall because of the influence of the pandemic and everything. But, you know, things ain't I, I will say things are not back to normal yet. I mean, I don't know about your industry, but I'm talking to people out there uh, in the world, you know, business owners and things like that, advertising and the radio and all that. And things are not, um, for most people, are not back to pre-pandemic numbers yet. And that was already the beginning of a recession or the end end of a recession. So if we haven't even gotten back to those numbers yet in some ways... Yeah, I could see as how Alaska's economy could be ranked as the third worst in the nation. Uh, Disappointing. But that raises some other questions and takes us over to our what-if discussion, which is coming up next. Yeah, that's we're going to jump into that here. Talk more about that, and uh, I will give you a little bit of a... I'll give you a little bit of a pre preview in the next segment. My thoughts on it and why I have decided to bring it back as a segment and talk about it, especially in the slower news times as the legislature is out doing their thing. But we'll continue. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Special thanks to our friends at Satellite West for sponsoring the program. You can find them over at SatelliteWest.com from Delta Junction to Diomede. From Nanilchik to Naknik. From, uh, I don't know, Seward to Selawick. Anywhere in the state of Alaska, Satellite West has got you covered for communications needs, cell phones, text messages, internet, you got it. Talk to them. SatelliteWest.com. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, what do we got here? Let's, uh, Let's go back up here. See what you guys have been talking about. Um, 
Ah, okay. Uh, my friends gave stuff. My friend gave. <laughs> Sorry, that's just perfect right there. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, that's how radical. That's how radical the ones in charge are. We have very few people that will stand up. And the ones that do are not supported enough to change it, says Richard. Yeah. Uh, the Ninth Circuit did overturn that, right? The berserkly stove ban. Uh, people are quietly leaving the state. Uh, the dark money behind the gas bans. I, uh, Brian, would you link me that article, the Substack article from Robert Bryce? I'll have to read that when you get a chance. Don't you have a wood stove back up down there? Don't you have a wood stove back up down there? Oh, don't you have a wood stove back up, comma, down there? Uh, no, I don't. I don't have a wood stove. I don't have a wood stove in the house that I'm in because I'm leasing the house. So I didn't put a stove in. If I had my own, I would have put a stove in, but I don't. So it is what it is. Um... New York, New York City carved out an exception for restaurants where New Yorkers all get their food. Virtue signaling. I mean, that's the thing. We couldn't let those, we can't let those restaurants, we've got the best restaurants in the world. We can't force all them to cook on electric, but you, you peasants, you need to. Oh, and now you can't even, it's not like people could burn wood to get your, you know, and the government can control your electric, your electricity usage through smart meters. Well, they could do the same thing to your gas, Jim. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Anything that's electronically metered these days potentially could be, you know, that's the thing. Um, all right. Uh, what happens when the MEA plant that depends on natural gas to operate? What will you have to do? I mean, that's the thing. Do you go back to coal? Is it all solar? Is it all, I mean, you know, oh, we just protect the environment and we don't know what to do. Uh, oh, man. Um, let's see. Meanwhile, our fish are gone because of the trawler industry. Here's some funny for everybody. New York City's in a panic about what to do about smoke from fires affecting their air. Well, we deal with that every year, says Lisa. Yeah, I mean, it just, that's that's right there. Um, Oh, wind, solar, and microgrids is what we're supposed to be expecting now. That's what, that's how we take care of everything. Micronuclear, if you ask me, I would agree with that. I think micronuclear batteries is the is the thing. Uh, Donna Arduin says Alaska's GDP growth is the worst in the nation. Dead last. Yup. Um, um, I have, uh, well, blah, blah. so what happens, um, when you're, okay. All right. There we go. <sighs> Hope you have a generator for backup during an ice or windstorm. Well, I do. Uh, there you go. Just eat bugs, says Bra uh, Hawk. This is the answer. Just eat bugs. Well, like I said, you can get all your food. You just have to put it outside on a flat rock and dry it all in the sun. 
That is the responsible way to cook your meals. That's it right there. The responsible way to cook your food. Um, oh, hey, I got a call on hold. I just realized that. Let me go over there and see who's there, shall we? We'll get their name and who they're calling, where they're calling from, and we'll get them ready to return to the radio. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Oh, my goodness. I have phone, Michael. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Well, my name is Greg, and I'm from Fairbanks. And uh, I, I... okay, well, hold on, hold on, Greg. You're getting an echo yeah, because I have a terrible. No, you have an echo because I have not. I'm not ready to take you on the air yet. I'm uh, 60 seconds from going back on air, so I'm going to put you back on hold. Uh, that okay. you you have an echo because I haven't fixed okay. that yet because um, I want to talk to you as soon as we come back. So we'll take your phone call here when we come back. Don't don't go anywhere, and you could tell us all about it, Greg, and we'll be ready. We'll be ready to do, ready to go, ready to go. All right. Um, okay. Uh, if you want to call in, you can Muted. Uh, feel free to do so. Feel free to do so. Unmuted. Uh, 907-433-3150. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, uh, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all the stuff everywhere. Uh, and share the show. It doesn't matter which platform you're on. Share the show, will you? That'd be great. All right. Here we go. Let's do it. Public enema number one. Oh, wait. Sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Uh, pain in the what? You are so fired, mister. So fired. I did write enemy. Enemy, not the other thing. All right. uh, Welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. It is uh, hump day. (laughs) Somebody was like, I'm going to ban that phrase because it's just, I don't know why. But, you know, it's because people don't like fun. They do not like fun. I don't understand it. I can't identify with it. I like it. It's hump day because it's the middle of the week, right? So you start up the hill till hump day and then you're over the hump down till Friday. That's that's what it's about. Man, people with your filthy minds. All right, let's uh, continue ahead. I want to talk a little bit and get things set up for the next hour where we're going to do a full hour of what if. what if. What do you mean, what if, Mike? Well, I'll tell you here in just a second. But first... Greg is on the line. He's up in Square Banks uh, doing his thing up in the interior, and he had things to say. He's got stuff on his mind. He's got a bone to pick with me. I don't know if he does or not, but let's find out. Good morning, Greg. What's on your mind? Well, good morning, Mike. Greg in Fairbanks here. I don't have a bone to pick with you. When when we were in MAME together in Fairbanks, you know, we worked very good at theater people. I don't know if you remember, but uh, it's nice talking to you. Yeah, no, hey, Greg, it's good. I did get your email. So, uh, I did get your email, by the way, and I will respond to that. I'm sorry I saw that yesterday, but I just I got waylaid and I couldn't respond. So I'm more than happy to help you. Uh, but uh, with what with your with your conundrum there. So we'll we'll talk about that off air. But what else is on your mind, Greg? Well, that was just it. It's a, it's a family issue that uh, I knew you could help me with. So I got nothing else really to say except uh, 
I've got gas bottles stored here for when I need some extra power. I got bottles stacked up here, boy. I, I'd hate to have them come take my bottles of gas. I mean, is that the question? <laughs> I mean, is so that, silly. you know, from my cold dead hands, you can have my propane cylinder, you know, kind of thing. I mean, is that what it's is that what it's going to come down to? I mean, here in Alaska, I don't think it would ever happen. But you watch these enclaves across the country of progressivism doing this. Virtu- and, and then Donna said in the chat room during the break that uh, New York City, I didn't realize this. They carved out an exemption after 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 saying nobody can have a gas stove or furnace or anything else. They they went ahead and had a carve out for the restaurants because that's where New Yorkers get all their food. So it's just it's more virtue signaling, Greg. It's just frustrating. I mean, what will they take next? I mean, again, should we be running around in loincloths basking in the sun and burying our food so that it ferments to be able to preserve it because we can't have refrigerant for refrigerators or gas to cook with or anything else? It's it's kind of insane. Yeah, by God, I'll tell you, I I think about bumper stickers sometimes, and of course, you helped me think of this, and it's common sense, the lost art. Yeah, common sense. It's amazing There's they call it common, no it's so sense. rare, right? I mean, it's amazing they call it common, it's so rare. That's uh, 100% true. All right, Greg, well, thank you for your call. I appreciate you uh, sounding off this morning. It's good to hear from you, my friend, and we will uh, talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. I'll send you an email to reply to that. Thanks for uh, calling in. Uh, Yeah, Greg and I were back. uh, That was back when I was doing theater. I was doing theater uh, with uh, Fairbanks Light Opera Theater, and uh, Greg and I were in MAME. MAME. Um, Anyway, uh, let's, let's continue on here. Wow, that's a blast from the past. That's been a few years. That's been a few years. Um, well, I wanted to set up another call, but I wanted to set up uh, the my thing. But anyway, I got another call. Let's let's take the call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole. And Hello. Just a thought about the gas. Okay. One of the, one of the benefits of uh, having summer come is. Uh, being able to uh, go out in my RV and uh, when breakfast comes, I have instant eggs. <laughs> instant, instant. Now, wait a second. Do you have instant eggs because you've got powdered eggs or you have instant eggs because you've got gas in your RV? I'm just no, asking. No, <laughs> oh, my, my mistake. Uh, just simply the fact of turning the uh, propane fired stove in the RV on gives me instant heat. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, there's look, there's nothing worse than waiting for the burner to heat up so that you can heat up the pan, so then you can cook the eggs, and then you got to take it off the thing because it's not working. I got to tell you, I had never had gas and uh, gas uh, stove until I got down here, whatever it was, nine years ago to Wasilla, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is am- especially eggs. I like to cook different kinds of eggs, <laughs> and and to cook eggs on a gas stove is. Oh, man, it is the height of beauty. And the idea that somehow me using gas stoves may have hurt somebody or something. And I'm thinking, man, what about the wood? What about the coal? What about what about everything that creates that electricity? I mean, somebody's burning natural gas down here. MEA uses natural gas to create electricity. So what's the difference? Now, they're obviously not asking us to cut it off here in Alaska, but I mean, what do most of those states use to generate power? Uh, some hydro, great, hydro's great. But what about 
fuel oil or what about natural gas or what about anything else, it's still it's still producing pollutants. I mean, if that's the case, it makes no sense. This whole argument, like I said, I thought it was a satire piece when I first read it. Kind of like the coal-fired electric car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the, the car that drove on, the car that you runs on it. wood gas, right? I mean, the car that runs on wood gas. It's clean burning, but I mean, it's, you know, I got half a quarter wood behind me as I keep going, so it'll be fine. It's great. Uh, all, right. all right, Ron. Exactly. Thank you. Hey, have a great day, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, sounding off. Okay, well, let's get set up for Hour 2. Hour 2 is going to be a little segment that we really haven't done in quite a while. I mean, we've touched on it a couple times here, but when I was uh, on the air in Fairbanks uh, in the evening drive there on Fairbanks for many, many years, uh, uh, there were several years there that I would do a semi-regular segment on Wednesdays that we would call What If Wednesdays. And... By what if I meant, are you prepared for anything? Are you ready for anything? And that could be, you know, a natural disaster, earthquake, flood, fire, thunderstorm, lightning, uh, a blizzard, uh, or any other kind of fill-in-the-blank apocalyptic event, uh, you know, I mean, from from global thermal nuclear war to the zombie apocalypse, right? Or, you know, a global pandemic. That would never happen here, right? And that was kind of the discussion. And the question was, you know, we have become so uh, inured to, you know, we've got the easy life here, folks. And I, boy, do I appreciate that in so many ways. We've got the easy life in so many ways. You know, you flick a light, you flick a switch on, you get lights. You turn a knob, you get heat. Uh, or, or you know, flame for for cooking. Uh, you know, you got flush toilets. You got uh, you got all these modern conveniences. You can take your take your spouse out to dinner. You know, at the drop of a hat. You can drive 120 miles round trip to your job and not have to worry about it. We have got so many good things. But the question, the the the, the big thing about this is, is that you have these <clears throat> simple complex systems, right? And these simple, complex systems have the ability to provide us with a lot of great things, but they are inherently prone to what they call the cascade, the cascade failure, right? One thing begets something else, begets something else. Now, we saw a bit of that during the pandemic, where the supply chain started to break down and there was an issue, and all of a sudden the shelves in the stores were looking a little bit bare and some other things. And so that's where this whole thing kind of generated out of. Now, I have been reticent to restart this for a variety of reasons, but most importantly, because, uh, well, most not most importantly, but primarily because there is such a stigma to talking about this stuff. There, there really is. I mean, this is who I am. This is who I was born and raised, uh, you know, again, th- third generation Alaskan. Uh, my my grandmother was born, you know, in a log cabin up north of Fairbanks. They, you know, we had a whole lifestyle that, uh, uh, you know, basically was built around this idea of, we didn't even call it preparedness. We just called it living, right? 
But later on, it got a little bit stigmatized. And whether that was from Y2K or the late 80s kind of survivalist movement or whatever, there is a bit of a stigma on it. So I want to talk about that as well. And maybe we just go full on, maybe we just go full on uh, crazy talk just to show you what I'm discussing. Anyway, well, we got the whole next hour to talk about it, right? And we got the phone lines open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this, Hour 2, Dead Ahead. Okay. All right. What do we got here? I'm going back here to see what you guys are talking about. Um, uh, there's a video of a helicopter starting fires in Canada, dropping something. What ignites when it meets air? White phosphorus. Uh, what ignites when it meets air? White phosphorus does. Uh, also fuel bombs, fuel, air fuel bombs do that. Um, um, Actually, uh, grasshopper sautéed in butter and lime juice with a sprinkle of salt um, uh, are the perfect taco topper. I'll take your word for it. Um, we're all zombified. Um, my, let's see, my teachers, my teachers does a, my, I'm sorry. Um. My teachers does a live, oh, he does a, does a, I'm sorry, Denise, this is, I, sometimes autocorrect is hard. Uh, I think he's, she's saying that somebody does a live outside your comfort zone lesson. He offers food not usually eaten. Grasshoppers is one of them. Once we bought 32 scorpion lollipops. Well, there you go. Let's, there you go. <laughs> Terry says, oh, oh Lord, no loincloths. You do not want to see me in a loincloth. That's me too. You do not want to see me in a loincloth. But toga? Yeah, I could I could rock a toga or a kilt. I'm all about that. No, I'm I'm about that. Um fun fact, says Anthony, you can hard boiled eggs in your smoker. Um yummy hard boiled eggs. Do they get does the smoke penetrate through the shell? Do they does it come out like smoked eggs? I'm just curious. Because that sounds delicious. That sounds that sounds absolutely delicious. I would love to have some smoked eggs. That would be good. And Hawk, you're not wrong. Fred Flintstone car is coming soon. I mean, you know, because <laughs> Oh man. Uh incredibly vulnerable supply uh, systems, energy and supply chain, says Jeannie. Yeah, I mean, we're actually in a bad situation for the supply chain, but we're not bad for the energy chain, which is interesting um, in the state of Alaska. And we can talk about that as well. Um, um, 
The lower 48 is screwed. I truly believe there are going to be more attacks on our infrastructure, mainly our food. Alaska must be prepared. Well, yeah. Um, uh, okay. If you want to learn about electrical grids and what happens during grid collapses, practical engineering on the utubular is great. Watch the Black Start video is if you want to better understand the limitations of renewables and microgrids. Um, Anthony, by the way, says, yes, those eggs are smoked. Oh, man, I yummy. Mm. With the Flintstone cars, do the tires or the feet get studded? I would say the feet get studded because, you know, we're into body modification around here. I got a little piercing. Got piercings on my feet. There's studs, man. Now I can go anywhere. Oh, after the two years it took me to heal from having them installed. Uh, Kiltzer fine says, Timothy, I agree. Skip the loincloth. Okay. I'm caught up on the comments. Oh, baby. You guys ready? <sighs> Just getting into the zone. Getting into the zone. <clears throat> okay. Thank you, Brian, for dropping that link, by the way, to me uh, on the uh, on the money behind the gas ban. Thank you. I will go read that and take a look at it, and uh, we'll get into that a little. We'll get into that a little more fully, a little more fully later on. I'm gonna I'll do some reading on that in the meanwhile. Okay. Um, I making sure I got all my pieces and parts here together. Look at that. Uh, I actually taught um, a long-term food storage class here. Um, and we will uh, talk about it. Um, one, okay, I got it all here. I got it. I got it in front of me. I got it in front of me. You guys all ready to do this? Okay. The mosquitoes are bad. I mean, come on. Have you guys, you guys are obviously not from Fairbanks. I have never seen a bad year of mosquitoes since I moved down here. I mean, there have been a few mosquitoes, but where I lived back in the woods in North Pole, <laughs> man, you guys ain't seen mosquitoes till you get back in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. We got. Oh, we got a line on hold. Maybe. Uh, all right. Let me find out who it is. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Barbara calling from North Pole. Hey, Barbara. Hold the line. I'll be right back to you. We're coming up into it. All right. Don't don't go anywhere. All right. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke show. Little bit of what if Wednesday. I'm going to tell you how I feel about that. And then we're going to start talking about a few things. And we're going to take some input from you on what the topic should be for that. Yeah? Back with more. Hour 2 kicks off right now. The Michael Duke Show. Comic Sense Radio.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on that thing we call the Internet. And across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Duke Show. Hello. Good morning to you. How you doing? Are you ready? You ready for hour two? We're going to dive into this and start talking about what, what if, what if Wednesday? That's what it's, uh, it's going to be. It's going to be all about. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, some stuff. And get into it, and uh, I want to get going. But first, I do have some phone calls, and I did say the phone lines were open, so I have to do it. I I I I have to deliver on my promise. Barbara's up in Fairbanks. She wanted to say some things to begin with, so let's get over to her first and see what she has to say. Good morning, Barbara. What's on your mind? Good morning. Well, I just um, was listening to the last hour and the discussion about of natural gas and coal and all that wonderful stuff. And tomorrow night, the Borough Assembly is going to be voting on the Climate Action Plan. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that haven't read that, and I encourage you to go read it. So I tried my best to get some things modified in there, but, um, you know, when you do a paper by committee, um, you often get voted down, and I got voted down a lot. Uh, (laughs) But um, there's a lot of things in there about uh, banning natural gas, transitioning away from natural gas, uh, transitioning away from coal, investing heavily in uh, solar and wind and a lot of other things. Um, And so, and there's a lot of things about um, encouraging people to use non-motorized travel, (laughs) which I consider to be uh, bikes wait, and cars, wait a bikes minute. and walking. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, we, want to, we want to discourage and, and eliminate natural gas. We want to eliminate co- – didn't we just spend millions of dollars – I mean, I'm a property owner in the borough, Fairbanks North Star Borough. Didn't we just spend millions mm-hmm. of dollars building out natural gas infrastructure because it is the solution to the pollution is the natural gas? And now they want to eliminate oh. natural gas and coal? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, not only that, but during the time this committee was meeting – we approved a trucking proposal by IGU to truck natural gas from the slope to the borough. It's crazy. It's the craziest thing ever. So um, what I'm hoping your listeners will 
I mean, what if nobody showed up to say no on this? <laughs> uh, please, <laughs> you know, if you want to get into what if Wednesday, what if you sit back and do nothing? If, if you can't make it Thursday night, I get it. It's really difficult to get in to testify. Um, but, you, you know, every I don't want to say climate crazy, but every uh, one, I'm not against solar. I love solar. The problem with solar is that we have these months called November, December, January, February, March, and you get a little bit of solar, but you'll freeze to death if that's your sole source, source of power. You need something else. Yeah, I love solar. Um, I love solar. Yeah. I love wind, too, except for the wind doesn't always blow. I mean, just ask Mike Kraft out at Healy, uh, you know, how consistent the wind can be. I mean, it's it's supplemental. It's not a, It's not a plan. I mean, solar in Alaska, especially the interior, you know, where it's dark for like four months. I mean, that's not a plan. I mean, what the actual, that's not a plan. Well, let me tell you what solar is good for. You get good solar power just about the time the thaw comes and you need to kick on your freezer. So I think putting a solar panel on your freezer is a really good thing because you get great sun in the summer when you need your freezer to work. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of lose the oomph right about the time the freeze comes. So, you know, if you're going to use solar power, it's great for your freezer. It's great for a security <laughs> system. Um, but, you know, really, um, but this thing needs to be either voted down or set back. All right, all right, all right Barbara. What, uh, what, what is I it mean, being? I, is, is it tomorrow? I is guess. that the tomorrow? And you can email assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, at FNSD.gov and express your sentiments about this plan. You, I mean, read it, okay? I, like I said, I, you, can, you can tell where I was able to get some things changed. Um, I had a good friend who wasn't even aware that I was on this committee. Um, and kudos to Aaron Lojewski for, you know, making the changes in the committee and putting me on. But I still wasn't able to get all the things changed that I wanted to get changed. All right. Tomorrow, so, tomorrow um, night, Fairbanks. At the same time, you can't hang yeah. on to a project forever. Yep. Tomorrow night, Fairbanks, um, North Starboro Assembly. Go out there. Testify against this madness. Um, Barbara, thank you for bringing it up to our attention. I appreciate you know, it. Uh, that's, uh, that's insane. Yep. Like, like I said earlier, once they eliminated the wood stoves, then they were coming after the furnaces, uh, and they were going to force you onto natural gas, right? Because that's why they built all the infrastructure out. And then now they want to eliminate the natural gas. They haven't even got everybody converted over and they want to eliminate the natural gas. This makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, you guys are killing me. I want to get over to this what if stuff, but I got more phone calls. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. It's James in Fairbanks. Morning, James. What if there were no grocery stores? What if all the food supplies are gone? What are people going to do? I suggest they go buy a couple. Oh, my God. I'm going to go buy a book or two. (laughs) The Lost Book of Herbal Remedies and the Book of Lost Ways. The Lost Book. Those are two books. Okay. Everybody needs. Yeah, no, there's. Yeah, no, that's the Lost Book of Herbal Remedies and the Lost Book of Ways, and I'm sure those are books that tell you 
capture some of the old knowledge, which most people don't seem to have anymore, as to how to take care of yourself, I'm assuming? Exactly. I was reading through Lost Book of Herbal Remedies out in the backyard and realized that I have more pharmacopoeia in the backyard than anybody should really have to heal almost everything. Oh, don't 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 say that you have pharmacopoeia in the backyard because you know the DEA may show up at your. No, I get it. Uh, there's lots of herb, nope. there's lots of herbal they can remedies. Take all the dandelions they want. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, look, I've got a couple books like that, uh, and I've got uh, one that's also uh, a book. Uh, maybe that's something that we should talk about. What are some of the best books for? you know, understanding and keeping some of that knowledge, because there's another book that I have called Where There Is No Doctor. Um, and uh, there's an ancillary yeah. to that, Where There Is No Dentist. And they are they uh, are both um, fantastic reads for people who have little to no medical experience. Uh, but if you find yourself in a remote or a situation where there is no doctor, they could be invaluable. Well, and that's what the book of Lost Ways is about. It's, you know, putting up food, how to store it without refrigeration, uh, how, to, how to build things that you need in your life, you know. And the Lost Book of Herbal Remedies is exactly that. And almost everything in the Herbal Remedies book grows in Alaska. Right. Well... Uh, I got to tell you that you're right. That's the kind of information we need. And and quite honestly, like I said, we're very we have a very easy life today. We're a very pampered society, and we've lost a lot of that institutional knowledge. Some people still have it, but unless you've got a book that lines it out, how are you going to know? How are you going to know how to take care of yourself in many of those situations? Exactly. And uh, and people say, oh well, those are my. I'm sorry. Yeah. Look. Those are my two suggestions on what to have in your survival pack. All right. And uh, again, the the it, it, give me the titles one more time, and I'll just uh, so folks can hear them one more time. It's uh, the Book of Lost Ways and the um, Lost Book. It's the Book of Lost Herbs and Remedies. Let me see the author. Hold on just a second where is oh goodness well you could send me a Lost book of herbal remedy there you go you can in you could send me uh a uh, you could send me the the artist or the artist the author's name if you'd like and maybe we'll get them on the program for a what if how about that that would be really good. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you sounding off. Thank you. Much. Thank you. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, one more one more phone call. Uh, and then, seriously, we'll really get into this. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, it's Bo up here in Fairbanks. How are you doing? Hello, my friend. What's on your mind? I wanted to call in. The rudimentary thing, what if, if things go sideways, the first thing people are going to have to do is trade and barter the way it's going to happen, right? Sure. I, I would agree with that. All right. Well, this has already been done. You familiar with Backwoods Homes? 
I am familiar with Backwoods Homes. It's magazine. A, yep, it's a series of magazines that basically deals with uh, uh, not primitive living, but survival style. Living. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, the magazines isn't relevant except they did this for years till they quit printing their magazine in print. Right. Um, taxation stuff. You agree? I agree. Okay. The very simple. If you take a 1960 quarter and go to Walmart, will they take it for for currency? Absolutely. That's right, because it's never been made illegal to use for currency. We both know. Do you know what the multiplier is for junk silver? Uh, it's 90%. 90% sil junk silver is, is, generally speaking, between 85 and 90% pure silver. The it's 90%. The multiplier, if you want to find out what a dollar's worth of junk silver is worth, you take the spot price of silver times 7.14, and that gives you the spot price of silver. If you said we're going to do – the numbers aren't going to match. They're not going to be right. I'm not, I can't sit here and do the math. don't have the time. If you're selling your coffee, say, say a bag of your coffee costs you five bucks. You're selling your coffee to people for five bucks. You have to, or for ten bucks, you have to pay tax on the other five. If you sell that in junk silver, let's say you decide these numbers aren't going to work, but let's say you decide because I'm sure you save money for retirement. If you're going to sell that coffee for five bucks, let's say you decide that that's worth a dollar fifty in junk silver. When you sell that to a to a customer. They mail you a dollar fifty in junk silver. You have lost three dollars and fifty cents on that transaction, and that with the IRS is one hundred percent legal. The only thing you have to do to keep it legal is if you have to sell some of that silver to restock, you must show it in your ledger that you turned, let's say, fifty dollars of junk silver into four hundred dollars of cash. And you are 100% above board with the IRS. You can beat the tax system and get the, the trade, the barter system on junk silver going. Okay. Well, Being that it was done by them, and I've been in one county in the southeast of the lower where they're doing it. I talked to Ryan, whose wife owned, um, um, yeah, the gold place up here, in, up here at Fairbanks. I'm having a brain fart. Okay. Um, and uh, he, I wouldn't tell. I just told him it was one of the Carolinas, which was true. He found another county, but it wasn't the one I was talking about. So there's several counties that are doing it. And when I was there, I noticed that an old acquaintance of mine was taking me around. And when we got in the, the, the hardware store to pick some things up, I noticed a sign behind the counter, behind the register, said, we accept real money. It's all it said. We got to the bar for some beverages, same thing. Nothing else was said. And everybody was paying for everything in silver, and they were playing the game in the whole county. <laughs> so I just wanted to put it out there. Uh, yeah. If you want to know any more, you know, you can get a hold of me, whatever. Uh, but it would be a real good push to put on, and it, 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 it's completely legal. Yeah. All right, Bull. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for the heads up on that. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think junk silver is a good uh, – it is a good resource to have available to you if you need it. Uh, not only can you spend it like real money, but uh, proportionally if you ever needed to uh, carve it up or do anything else, you can also use it for just regular silver. Just junk it up. Like you said, it's 90% anyway. So, all right. Well, thank you, Bull. I appreciate it. Okay. For reals. I'm not going to take any more phone calls for a minute here because I want to get to what I wanted to get to. What if, what if there was a global pandemic that affected the supply chain? What if there was a uh, earthquake that destroyed the port or here or maybe on the West Coast? Earthquakes, flood, locusts, zombie apocalypse. I don't know. What could it be? What would you do? Would you be able to make it? That's the question. What if it happens? Back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Ooh, man, we got off into a got off into the pucker brush there, didn't we? Uh, okay. Um. All right. Let's uh, let's see. Uh, what if I get up and got some Folgers in my cup? Well, then you would have an inferior coffee mix in your vessel. That's. I mean. It's coffee-like, but it is what it is. All right. Let's see. Mm, I'm scrolling backwards here to see what you guys have been saying. Um, now I want smoked eggs. That's all I'm saying. Now I want smoked eggs. That would be... Uh, okay. The copper is still shut down. Okay, fact. The copper is still shut down for dipping. No boats above the bridge. Even if it opens, no kinks taken. The fish wheels are overflowing. 150, 15 kings, three days. Try this. Be sued. Okay. All right. That's it. Um, so when I had to suddenly retire a few years ago due to an injury, my food storage, which included non-food items, saved me. My home was paid off, and I had no car payment as well, so I could live on very little. It's not about preparing for the apocalypse, but for life events which happen to us all. Thank you. Sherry, that is very, very well said. Um, uh, okay. Um, wait, is this a ploy to get dandelions out of your yard? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, Denise says, thank God for my dad. He left me overnight in the woods. I found out years later, he wasn't far away. That one night taught me so much. Number one, calm down. Don't panic. Number two, what's the plan? Number three, crying did nothing to keep me alive. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I have seen, <clears throat> uh, talking about the book of lost ways. 
Uh, there's an old guy that does ads for that on YouTube. I've seen the, I've actually seen the, uh, seen the video. I've seen some of the videos that he does and his beard is magnificent. I will say, uh, his beard is magnificent. I don't know if I could live with a beard that was like down onto my chest and stuff like that, but it, anyway, he's good. Um, um, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Harold, Harold doesn't want to carry junk silver. He said, my pin number on my card is easier. I'm not packing around 50 pounds of the silver. No, I don't think you have to carry around 50 pounds of silver, but you know, it's never a bad thing to have as far as if you're looking at, if you had a, a single bag of junk silver as a, an investment or a hedge, or just as a way of carrying cash, that's, it's not a bad thing. Um, um, and we are back to no man is an island. We can't stand alone and the group needs each one. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's a lot tougher to do it on your own than is the, uh, you know, the doing it on your own is, is not the biggest solution to that. <clears throat> it, uh, you know, there's a lot of, lot of questions up here. Let me go back up here. I wanted to mark this comment uh, from Sherry because I think it is important. I'm going to get to it when I get back. Okay. <clears throat> loincloths, kilts, beards. Yes, Terry, I know it's all very enticing. I know it's all very enticing. You just made me notice all the useless crap in my house, says Denise. I mean, we're all got a bunch of useless crap in our house. That doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Most of the stuff is not useful or usable for much of anything. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, it happens all the time. Just go out there and do it. Uh, you're an easy target if you're carrying 50 pounds of silver. Yeah. I mean, your pockets would be, oof, you would not be moving very fast. Let me, let me tell you that for nothing. Okay. Um, hey, look at that. We're there. We are there. All right. So we're going to get into this here and start, uh, start talking about this. The what if component. No depth. Okay. Um, sorry, that was very random. I was thinking of something and that was the, that was the gist of it. No depth. Ready to go. Uh, I threw away my Marie Kondo book last weekend. It did not bring me joy. He said, so he pitched it out. The Michael Duke show common sense radio. So let me tell you why for a long time, I kind of steered away from talking about a lot of this because, you know, I, I, it wasn't that I was embarrassed. I just didn't, I didn't like being made to feel like, boy, you must be crazy because again, this was my upbringing. I mean, my grandmother was, you know, raised in the, raised in the gold camp in rural Bush, Alaska. I mean, you know. 100 miles from the nearest town, and by town, I mean Fairbanks in the early 1900s. It was literally nothing. And so they had a lot of stuff on the shelf, right? I mean, they had they had gobs of stuff uh, that they kept around there, and 
And that's just kind of how we were raised. Uh, we had food storage when I was a kid. Um, you know, my grandmother, I tell the story, she's 80 years old, living by herself in her condo, and you open up the pantry in her kitchen, and my God, there must have been three or four months worth of food in the pantry in her kitchen. Why? Well, because that's just how we were raised. But as things went on and progressed, and like I said, I don't know if it was the um, <clears throat> kind of the survivalist thing in the late 80s, uh, going in, you know, mid to late 80s. Or whether it was the Y2K thing where everybody was freaking out about Y2K and uh, people, you know, bought the end of the world supplies or whatever. But it just became this thing. And it's so much so that, of course, we had things like Doomsday Preppers and all these other shows on television where I found them to be entertaining uh, for sheer entertainment value, quite honestly, uh, because they always had the most unique. Here's the question that they would always ask. So, uh, you know, they'd get the they'd get the interviewee at the beginning of the show and they'd be like, so, John, what are you preparing for? And John is like, I'm preparing for global thermonuclear war or the gal's like, well, I'm preparing for the collapse of the dollar or I'm preparing for some kind of flu epidemic that would race across the world and they would, you know, th- but that would never happen. Uh, you know, I mean, all these different things. And my thought was. Why are you preparing for any one certain catastrophic event? I mean, aren't you just kind of preparing for every for anything? I mean, isn't that really what it's all about? And does it have to be something that is apocalyptic? Does it have to be zombies at your doorstep? Uh, Sherry brings up an interesting point in the chat room. She said, when I had to suddenly retire a few years ago due to an injury, my food storage, which included non-food items, saved me. My home was paid off. I had no car payment as well, so I could live on very little. It's not about preparing for the apocalypse, but for life events, which happens to us all. And to that, I cannot agree more. Um, when, I, <clears throat> when I left the radio station in Anchorage, uh, this is five, six years ago, um, I had an, I had a, I got into uh, got into a legal battle with a radio station about whether or not I could continue to do radio because <clears throat> I'm a radio guy, right? It's what I do. It's how I make my living. Anyway, there was a period there of about six months where I was not allowed to, I was not allowed to uh, do my craft. I was not allowed to do anything. And I will tell you that because we had food storage and we had other things that we, you know, non-food items that we stored as well and everything else, that helped things go a lot further. Uh, being debt-free was also another great thing. Um, I mean, I still had my mortgage or the, the you know, home lease or whatever. But having, but having you know, food storage, some money saved up, being debt-free, not having a car payment – all of those things made for a much easier time than if I had, if I was keeping up with the Joneses and had, you know, credit card debt out the wahoo and, and payments and everything else and nothing but, you know, two weeks worth of food on the shelf, I would have been in serious, serious trouble. And so when we talk about what if it, you know, maybe it's uh, you lose your job. Maybe what if, what if you lose your job? What if you are injured and you have to take care of yourself and your family? What if, God forbid, 
one of the two of you, if your spouses and you're, you know, you're taking care of, what if one of you, uh, you know, suddenly passes away? What is the, what are the rest of the family going to do? How are you going to survive on so many different, you know, how, how are you going to make it? And these are the things that we need to think about. Now, a lot of people's eyes got opened during the pandemic because all of a sudden we saw very clearly that um, the supply chain was very fragile. Like, uh, like I said, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the system that we have today, especially with the just-in-time delivery system, is very good. It's very efficient. But it is also very, very fragile. Um, I remember growing up, uh, I would do some work with my dad, who was a manufacturer's rep, and I remember going to Foodland in Fairbanks. Now, for those of you who don't live in Fairbanks, Foodland was a was a was a cars it was cars Foodland, right? But at first, it was just Foodland. It was the grocery store in town, and I remember going into the back of Foodland uh, with my dad. And seeing that the storage in the back, it looks like a Costco. I mean, it looks like a big warehouse with racks and racks and racks, right? And if you put, looked at the footprint of the whole store, maybe a third of the store was the front end with all the shelves and the groceries and the bakery and all that kind of stuff. And maybe two-thirds, half to two-thirds in the back was all storage. I mean, it was a big place. But today, if you go to a grocery store, at like a Fred Meyers or whatever, if you go in the back, the storage area in the back may account for 10% of the overall square footage of the store because they keep they literally keep nothing in back stock they they have very the trucks arrive twice a week they unload them they're stacked on pallets they get it out on the floor there's really nothing left there um the surveys have shown that in the event of a crisis that there is approximately two days worth of food at normal consumption rates, two to three days worth of food at normal consumption rates in any given grocery store. Meaning if they didn't get any more things in, if they didn't get any more shipments in, that within about three days, the shelves would be a little bare. And we saw that during the pandemic. Whole shelving units that were no bread. No soups, no, uh, I mean, there was many things. They were just empty. The shelves were just empty. And people were shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that that that's what's going on. That is the danger of this uh, just-in-time delivery system that we have here in the United States. So it starts to beg the question of, well, what should you do? Um, Well, uh, long-term Food storage is great, long-term being, you know, things that last for years and years and years. But I think long-term storage is actually made up of a couple different things, and we're going to get into that here in a second. But I wanted to start off with 10 reasons why you should be prepared. Why, Why should you be prepared? First of all, I will say this, because preparedness brings peace of mind. Preparedness brings, if you have prepared, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, all your surprises will be happy ones. If you have made a plan and you have effectively backed up that plan by, you know, buying what you need and getting things ready and you've got the plan and you're ready to execute it, your peace of mind is much greater than people who would have to deal with it in the moment of a crisis. 
But here's 10 reasons why you should be prepared. Number one, the because the number one answer that most people throw out there is, well, the government should take care of it. The government, well, we've seen the ineffectiveness of FEMA, right? All you have to remember is those pictures of the people in the wheelchairs outside the Superdome during Hurricane Katrina to understand that FEMA is, uh, I mean, the government's quick to talk, quick to ramp up, but the help is slow to come and inefficient when it arrives. Uh, those who are prepared, on the other hand, are able to act quickly and efficiently, take care of their own house, and provide stability, structure, and assistance for their neighbors, their family, and beyond. Um, the second reason why you should be prepared is that any organization or nation or state or community of people with specialized skills can accomplish great things when everything's going smoothly. But if it quickly fall apart, that's when the trouble comes. The prepared mindset of jack of all trades, master of one, makes for a stable organization or nation. That's why you need a stable base for things. Um, you know, you can go back and look at the history of uh, of preparedness. I mean, all the way even back into biblical times, you know, Joseph and the seven years of famine, the severe drought and famine, because of his preparations, Egypt survived. So again, another example in history. The founding fathers uh, believed that with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, they pushed the responsibility from the federal government down to the individual citizens and promoted a self-reliant mentality, a prepared mentality. Um, siege warfare. I mean, many of the things that happened after Katrina are textbook examples of why siege warfare is so uh, is an example of why things like that are so effective. The normal city has a three-day food supply. Being prepared means having six to 24 months of food. What do you think is more stable in the event of a siege uh, that is due to disaster or war or whatever? If you only focus on food and water supplies, a city, county, region, country with many prepared residents would be much more resilient to being cut off from outside help. Then also, preparedness number six gives you independence from the government. I mean, how much leverage does an energy tax have on a family living off the grid? The more self-reliant you are, the less control the government can exert over your life through taxes. Now, I'm not advocating that you should go off the grid and out the thing, but it's, again, why you should talk about that kind of prepared mindset. Criminals fear the aware and the prepared. Uh, being prepared means becoming more aware and prepared than the average person. Uh, and this is, again, preparedness, not just in food storage or whatever else, but also in going if you you know, if you decide to go forth armed as a private citizen and carry a concealed firearm, you need to make sure that you are prepared and to see more than the average person. It'll show in your walk, your eyes, how you carry yourself. You stop looking like a wounded gazelle and more like a honey badger, cute and cuddly, but ready to do anything to stop a threat. Um. The other reason I would say to be prepared is uh, it, it, tyrants and people who would, uh, they fear those who are aware. And I mean, look, they want sheep, right? They want sheep. They want people who will go along to get along. They want all that kind of stuff. Um, if you prepare yourself, uh, then uh, you are ready to deal with those folks and you're ready to keep them on your toes. 
Uh, more preparedness equals fewer refugees and a faster recovery rate from any kind of disaster, local, regional, national. The more prepared citizens that are in the area, the less strain on the hospitals, the volunteer organizations, and the government-run refugee centers. And finally, number 10, you're more able to help your fellow man. After a disaster, you're not going to see very many refugees donating their foods and supplies. It's not that they don't want to, but it's because they are in a fight for their lives and may be dehydrated, hungry, and tired and are literally not able to. You may be able to if you are prepared. So those are the top 10 reasons why I believe that you should be prepared. And we're going to talk a little bit in the next segment about uh, maybe some ideas and things that we can take on in future segments of uh, what if segments of the show. And what you may think, what you may want to hear about. I'll start taking some notes here in a minute, and we'll discuss. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What is that? Common Sense, regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Whew, I finally got to it. Finally got to it. Um, mm, okay. Okay. Uh, I think some folks by nature are preppers. Remember the little book about the field mouse prepping all summer while her friend plays? In the end, she shares. No to all, I will not share. <laughs> Uh, Jeannie says no one actually needs currency barter why it's important to store things that are value to others I mean yeah I mean barter can be anything it could be tools it could be nails screws could be extra lumber could be it could be food you could barter food you could barter liquor liquor is another great thing uh, that uh, many people will want and would be willing to trade for um, I, the only thing I wouldn't trade is, is bullets. I would not trade bullets or guns. That's the only things that I would not trade, uh, because I just don't like the idea of those being used against somebody else. That's not a thing you need to do. Um, my mom made everything homemade. Uh, do you think the dollar is strong? No, I don't think the dollar is strong. Uh, we can't legally trade fish for firewood. State says it's illegal. Um, but you can go get chunks of floating glacier and sell it for a profit. Okay. Uh... <laughs> COVID. Pandemic preppers now have three lifetimes of toilet paper and storage. Preppers. I got rags for that. I got yellow pages for that. I got yellow pages for that. Um, hoarding disposable items is not prepping. Although I will say that... Um, if you are planning on doing some, uh, you know, doing some preparedness and, and prepping, then I would say that disposable feminine hygiene products, probably up there on the list, uh, just for convenience sake. Uh, because, you know, if you don't, if you got running water, great. If you don't have running water, great. Uh, those are all, I mean, those are all good. But that would be on my list. Uh, I mean, not, not a woman, nor do I use hygiene products like that, but... I would want it for people in my house. Um, uh, let's see. Going here. You have to rotate your stock. Um, uh, okay. Uh, lots of holes in the shelves. 
Fred Meyer Wasilla says, Terry, lots of holes on the shelves just yesterday. Yeah, remember the toilet paper run? Yeah. I mean, I always have a couple cases of toilet paper at the house just because. Um, I figure two is one and one is none. If I'm going to buy one, I buy two. And that way I always have at least one full one on the shelf at any given time. And that's not going to last you forever, right? But maybe, you know, you know. Um... Uh, what was this? Read up on FEMA's response policies. If you think they would intentionally send help to AK, you're in for a surprise. You'll have a sta- a soldier standing on your doorstep eventually. You mean a soldier to for me to take care of or for a soldier who's trying to come in here and do that kind of stuff? Um, criminals use... Natural disasters is open season on the general public, says Sean. Yeah, I mean, we saw that, especially during Hurricane Katrina, right? I mean, that's that's exactly it. Liquor, says Harold. Yes, liquor is a trade good. Uh, I don't drink much myself, but I do have liquor that I occasionally use. And would I be willing to barter it? Sure. If that's the case, I'd be definitely willing to barter it. Uh, we changed from using our PFD, uh, to lay in winter supply of grub orders. Uh, still a lot of homes had pantry rooms that got repurposed as a storage or home office. Yeah. We changed from using a PFD to lay in a winter supply to doing other things with it. I think, you know, if you've got a full thing, then there you go. Uh, batteries, original preppers, barter. Oh, Batteries also, yes. Batteries, propane cylinders, uh, those are all great things to barter if you have them in great supply. And, uh, yeah, you could do it here. Great radio. Here we're talking about toilet paper. Well, you know, I'm just saying. Um, mm, okay, tobacco for barter. Well, I suppose so. Um uh, better dig an outhouse hole, downsize your house to cabin size, the list goes on. I mean, you know, we're all hoping that many kind of events or, or crises would be very short term, usually, hopefully 90 days. That would be the hope is that most of those things would be fixed in 90 days, but you just, you don't know. You just don't know. All right. A case of Folgers. Don't forget the Folgers. Hey, you could, I mean, in a pinch. I would even drink Folgers in a pinch if it was the end of the world and I wanted a cup of coffee. I would I would drink Folgers in a pinch if I had to. But it would have to be close to being the end of the world at that point. I'm just saying it would have to be close to being the end of the world. Okay, one final segment of today. And we're talking about what if, and I just kind of gave you the rundown on, you know, 10 reasons why you should be prepared. And it doesn't have to be 
uh, a natural disaster or the zombie apocalypse or anything else. It could be just a life thing. You know, um, it could be like uh, sh- uh, like Sherry was talking about, you know, having to suddenly retire or quit your job, getting get, having an injury, having somebody uh, having somebody die, you know, in your household where they were an income earner and all of a sudden you're in a stressful situation. Those are all important things. But basically, you know, preparedness comes down to, you know, the it, it comes down to a few things, right? What do you need? What do you need to survive? Well, you need shelter. You need food. Uh, and you need heat. Uh, those are pretty much the three things. And food includes food and water, right? So we're not we're saying that. But food and water, heat, and shelter. Uh, I will say this, uh, and I think Sherry touches on it in her comment earlier, that um, that uh, the one thing that a lot of people don't think about is being debt-free. Debt-free, in my opinion, lack of debt, the elimination of debt, should be one of your primary motivators in being prepared for any situation. Because nothing would be worse, especially if you're um, if you're you know dealing in some kind of you know global you know financial crisis or something else going on, and you've lost your job, or it's a pandemic and you've been shut off at home and you can't work, you can't make an income. Nothing is worse than uh, the potential for your car to be repossessed, or for you to not be able to make payments on something, or you know make. It, it, it's just a tremendous amount of stress. Living within your means and having no debt should be probably near the top of your priority when it comes to those kind of things um, because that would eliminate a lot of the stress right off the top. Uh, so food, shelter, uh, and heat. Those are, the, again, the three things that uh, you want to talk about. Shelter, uh, I mean, you know, you're going to – I mean, I know every – Every post-apocalyptic uh, 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 fictional story or whatever has people immediately leaving where they are and trying to go bugging out, right? That's the whole bugging out to somewhere else. Um, I would I would say most of the times you're probably better off hunkering down and sheltering in place because you've got everything there. And how are you going to take what you've got with you uh, in the event of some kind of emergency? So you're better off planning on pretty much staying where you are depending on where you are i mean if you're an apartment in a city that might be a whole different thing compared to and depending on what the crisis is if it's a personal crisis well nothing changes if it's a natural disaster then that could you know have other problems and if it's something you know nastier or deeper then you'd have to make that decision uh on the uh you'd have to make that decision at the time so, uh, shelter, you know, kind of taking care of heat. I mean, do you have the ability to make heat? Do you have the ability to heat your home outside of, you know, like I live here, it's all natural gas. Do I have a secondary heat source? In my case, I don't, which is a bit of a bummer because I don't own the house that I live in right now. But, um, I did in Fairbanks, I had a secondary heat source that I installed in my house so that I could, uh, so that I could keep my house warm in the event that the power went out. Uh, and I had a good stockpile and supply of wood and coal that I could use to uh, to keep my place warm. And in the event of something like that going on. So 
always good. Have a generator so that you can run some simple appliances or things like that um, that you may need um, uh, or, you know, that you may need to be able to use, whether it's your furnace. Can you run your furnace on it or a fridge or a freezer or et cetera, et cetera? Those are all uh, good choices when it comes to uh, getting prepared. But, of course, the biggest one is the food. The food is the important one um, because, you know, we can go, you know, <laughs> what's the law, the rule, rule of three? You know, we can go uh, um, three, three, <clears throat> three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without air kind of thing. The food, though, the food and the water is the important part. And so let's uh, let's talk for just a second about that. And there are other aspects of preparedness that we could talk about and whether that's, um, you know, off the grid electrical generation. You want to talk about something like that where you want to put some kind of off grid system at your house to help you in the event. You know, you have a flip, you have a switch on the outside of your house that flips you from the mains to your backup whether it's solar and batteries or generators or whatever else, I mean, maybe we should bring somebody on to talk about that. Uh, there are plenty of outfits in the state of Alaska who probably would love to come on the program and discuss it with us. Uh, we'd be more than willing to to talk about that. Communications. How are you going to stay in communications if there's some kind of disaster where, say, the cell phone network gets down? How many of you actually have an old phone in your house? Do you actually have a line? Of, I, don't have a, I don't have a landline in my house. So what do you do then? Do you use communications? Do you use uh, shortwave radio? Do you use ham radio? Do you use CBs? Uh, if that's the case, if it's for a longer period of time, how do you stay in communication? Maybe we need to have somebody who's a communication person come on the line and talk talk with us about this. But that's all ancillary stuff to the thing that is most important, which is to feed your gullet, right? Because that's they're feeding your feeding your face is the thing that keeps you alive. So when I talk to food storage classes, uh, and we'll get into this more in the next show when we do this again, but I will just kind of leave you this. When I taught food storage, um, I broke it down into three different categories. Um, you had, uh, for me personally, this is my, and, and your mileage may vary. You may have a whole different method. If you've been doing this for a long time, you may have a whole different method. Um, but you, you know, you, you do you, I'm just telling you what I taught in my courses and what, uh, I have lived by for all these years. Food storage can be broken down into three different types of food storage. Um, the long, the one that most people think about is what we would consider to be long-term bulk food storage. I mean, things like rice, sugar, flour, wheat, salt, Things that you put in barrels, drums, buckets, and you seal for a long, long time. Things that you don't open on an ongoing basis, but that you have available and are stable for years and years and years. That's good to have, but it's not something that you um, can are used to or can get you know uh, can use every day in in your day to day life or anything like that. Uh, the second thing is the freeze-dried. Now, we've all seen these, right? This is the Patriot Meals, the Mountain House, the, I mean, my God, MREs. Those are all things that, uh, those are all things that, uh, um, that fall under that kind of freeze-dried category. 
and then there are another kind of crease dried components where maybe you just get something from a company like Thrive or whatever, where they are components that you can use and fix in your meals every day. The emergency stuff, the Patriots, the Mountain House, the MREs, those are all good in a short term if you need it in an emergency, but it's not something you want to eat every day. My favorite meal for Mountain House is the beef stroganoff. That thing has 2,300 milligrams of salt in that. In the, you could not eat that every day for three months without your heart exploding. You know what I mean? It's just not something. So you have to, it's good for the short term, but not for the long term. And then the biggest component of uh, food storage, well, the, the, the biggest and the ones that you'll use most often is your canned food, your packaged food, things that you already eat now, just having more on it, um, it just having more of it uh, to be able to use. Um, so I think we're going to have to get down into this whole food thing and talk more about it. We ran out of time for today. That's a bummer. All right. Well, we'll bring this up on the next What If Wednesday, maybe a couple weeks from now. We'll get some guests as well. Uh, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Damn, that end of that hour just snuck right up on me snuck right up on me okay um oh all right no debt <laughs> gd says no debt property taxes well i mean is that the sunny side of the zombie apocalypse is you don't have to worry about property taxes anymore i mean at that point you really don't have to worry about any debt at that point because it, Everybody's getting their face eaten, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Six cell phones, I think. iPads all over. Mesh net. How are you going to communicate if the internet goes down? Right? How are you going to communicate if there's no power? How are you going to communicate if... I think it's... Uh, I think it's... Uh, I think it's interesting. We need to talk about that. Um... Bacon supply should be on point. Canned bacon's not too bad. Yeah. Canned bacon, not too bad. All right. Well, we'll uh, continue this discussion sometime in the future. And maybe we'll break it down a little bit easier for people to understand. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 